Hello and welcome to a Sporting Discussion, your podcast that discusses sports of all sorts. I'm Andrew Donison, and I'm joined by a man who hates tribunals and players receiving appropriate punishments, AJ Mithin. Hey, I'm all for appropriate punishments. This week we will talk about Socceroos World Cup qualifiers, Suncorp Super Netball, questions from the people and much more. Don't forget that this show relies on your input and we thank everyone who's gotten in contact with us this week. Keep it coming via Twitter at ASD underscore podcast or go to facebook.com slash a sporting discussion to make sure you have your say on the big sporting issues of the week. AJ, let's get straight into confirmations and corrections. No time to muss about. Proudly brought to you by Ultimate AFL Trivia. Search for them on Facebook where you can get in contact with them if you would like to run an AFL-themed trivia night at your club or event. Anywhere in Australia, Andrew, the AFL season is well and truly up and going. We're almost at the halfway mark, so... Make the most of your bye week by organising some ultimate AFL trivia. Bad news this week, Andrew. Very bad news. We had a stinker last yeah. week. Well, uh, it, was, it was all con- like confined to the one, one area. Section. We yes. really should have done a bit more research. Where are Leeds, AJ? Leeds, are, Leeds United are currently in the championship over in England. Uh, last week I said they were last seen in the third, around the third division, which was, would have been correct if this was 2014. Okay, and I said that Huddersfield came from sixth, not Fifth, so let's we'll have to clean that up next week. Bad luck no twice. more, no more talk of subdivisional English soccer. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but how about we do stay on that sport and kick things off with some Socceroos World Cup qualifiers? Oh God, I'm so nervous. <laughs> you're so always, nervous. you're always nervous. But there's reason this time. Do, do, do you want me to to run through the the standings at the moment? AJ? Yes, yes, go for it. All right. So we are in the third round of qualifying for the 2018 FIFA World Cup in the Asian Confederation. There are two groups: Group A. And Group B. Whoa, whoa, slow down. Yeah, yeah. The top two teams from those groups automatically qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Mm -hmm. The third place groups, they fight each other to the death to then go and challenge the, I think, fourth place CONCACAF. It's the fourth place team from North and Central America, which is like Cuba, Barbados, USA, Mexico... Panama, those sort of not Panama. USA uh, would if if their ladder didn't change, USA would be the the team that they would be yeah, they're, facing. They're a bit early into theirs though, but anyway, uh, so there are six teams in each group, ten matches, one home, one away against everyone. There are three matches for each team to go. Australia currently sit in third position on thirteen points, behind Japan and Saudi Arabia, both on sixteen points. Thankfully for Australia, Japan and Saudi Arabia are two of the three teams that they face in the remaining three games. Well, you say thankfully, but the way the Socceroos have been playing of late, um, this is a highly, highly on-edge game for our World Cup hopes. If we lose this game... This game being Australia versus Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia in Adelaide. If we lose and Japan beats Iraq... Australia will be six points off the top two with only two matches to play and basically all but done unless we beat Thailand by 800. Um, At the moment, we are three goals and three points behind our opponents, Saudi Mm -hmm. Arabia. Um, So even if we win, it's got to be by at least three clear goals to get above them on the... uh, On On the the goal differential. Because the the qualification tiebreaker, it goes... Goal differential first, and then I think it goes to results between mm. the those two nations. Yeah. So if we win, we'll have that. Um, so Australia plays Saudi Arabia, 
Japan and Thailand. Thailand, who Australia drew with in what is looking like Ugh. a crucial missed opportunity. Let's make no, make no misunderstandings about it, Andrew. If we lose this game, mm. or if we don't win, even if it's a draw, we are in all sorts of trouble to qualify for Russia next year. All sorts of trouble. Because the team pretty much locked into third in Group A is Uzbekistan, who are pretty much at our level. They're not just a team you can go, oh, well, we'll wander in and just mop the floor with them. Yep. And like I keep saying, we're not playing all that well. We just cannot score. No. And just having a look at the, the fixture, the last game in the qualifying, Australia versus Thailand, and then... Saudi Arabia versus Japan. So it could actually come down to the game between Saudi Arabia and Japan. Australian fans could be hoping that one team beats the other by three goals. It's, that'll, it, be, that'll be one of those convenient draws that we see from time to time. Yes. Because I know if I was Japan or Saudi Arabia, there is no way I would let Australia in to my spot. I certainly wouldn't risk... Yeah, Particularly risk with how welcome we are in the Asian Confederation at the moment. Yes. <laughs> now, AJ, we've talked... Football before we've talked about how Australia has been good at times, been poor at times. Why? And sorry, and we have an expectation in Australia, rightly or wrongly, that our national sporting teams will perform well and will progress to national and international championships. What's going on with the the soccerers? Are they just not good enough? Well, we can, we're saying that, but having said that, they've still got a pretty good record. Mm. But it's just the uh, they've had too many draws in this campaign. Well, they've not lost a game. Yeah, that's the thing. They haven't they haven't lost. <laughs> but the problem is the scoring. Um, they have a goal differential of plus five, but we are just really struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, Tommy Urich is up front. Uh, Matthew Leckie is there. Robbie Cruz is there. Um, they're just not. They're just not consistent scorers. Are we relying too much on the head of Tim Cahill? Well, that's gone. That's that's the thing people write songs about from now on. I mean, they brought him on, and he, you know, he does what he can, but he's older than us. <laughs> and uh, yep. yeah, um, it's we're not in a good place attackingly. And Ange Postecoglou has switched the formation to a three-four-three three, with three at the back instead of four to get a bit more movement from his. Uh, Left back, right back, wingers. Okay, yep. To come up a bit more action up the field, more crosses, more uh, entry. So four across the midfield to allow them yeah. to, to spread the wall wide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of three at the front, but it's all based on movement. Yep. And Is it all based on triangles? A lot of the... Uh, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the games we've played in this in this campaign have not had the movement, have all been stagnant. A lot of the time we've been playing on cow patches... Yeah, overseas okay. and in Australia, the Adelaide Oval should be pretty good. Um, but yeah, this is a uh, I can't stress enough how important this is. Probably, probably the most important qualifier we've had since Uruguay in Australia. Okay, with regards to making it to a World Cup, and is that because we now so two thousand and six, two thousand and ten, two thousand and fourteen? That's three World Cups in a row. Australia now just have to consolidate and make sure that making the World Cup finals is the the minimum. 
and then well, it's easy to say that it is. making the World Cup is an incredible feat in and of itself. But yes. a lot of Aussie folks take that for granted. Um, talk to anyone before two thousand and six and ask them if they if they thought they would watch Australia play in a World Cup in their lifetime, and the answer would have been no. Mm. Um, so we've reeled off three in a row, which even some of the biggest football nations in the world can't do. Yeah, okay. Um, it's just I don't think there's quite enough understanding around the Aussie sporting community, not the football community, because yeah. they, they know for certain just how difficult it is. They, they, it's the whole, like we say all along on a sporting discussion, they don't rate the country we're playing, so they don't think they can be any good. And also it's, it's like what I was saying earlier about the, the Australian sporting public just assuming that the national team will be able to compete in international competitions. Well, they can. We're bloody good. It's just yeah. that this is – we're going through a, stunt, a, a growth spurt at the wrong worst possible time. How many teams make it to the World Cup or the World Cup finals as they – 32. Uh, 32. Well, until the next – Out of – yeah, well, yes. 32 out of 240-odd. It's pretty good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, um, and – well, let's see. We've got Australia play Saudi Arabia. Then they go away to Russia to play in the Confederations Cup. Oh, It's okay. kind of a mini World Cup, if you want to call it Are that. they going to take that seriously? As Asian Championships? Oh, yeah, you bet. Yeah. Because they're playing the um, – it's called the Confederations Cup because it's the champions of each federation. And Australia, as the Asian champion, will be playing the South American champion and the CONCACAF champion and the African champion. And, yeah, uh, it's a, and that, New Zealand. Um, that, seem, <laughs> that seems poorly timed. Surely, they, although the World Cup... No, no, that's the Confederations yeah, yeah, yeah. Cup is always done the year before the World Cup. It's kind of a dry run for the World Cup for okay. the host country. Um, and Australia has some of Australia's best football memories before the World Cup were our performances at Confederations Cup, where we beat Brazil and France... At their very best, right? Uh, but Uruguay, Mexico, all of those sort of things. But there's some really good. We've had some really good results there. But that's probably the best thing that we could have after the Saudi Arabia game because it will give the team more time together and more oh, okay. more hard more hard play to gel because the Confederations Cup is in end of June. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can pan it out to July if they're if they're good enough. But yep. um. Then we've got Japan in Japan in August, which is the hardest game in this group. Yep. And then Thailand in September, which is in Australia. Um, if, I guess, let's say just Saudi Arabia, time together as a team is absolutely critical. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Australia, yeah. I was going to ask, will, will it be a full-strength Australian side? Will Aaron Moy come back? Will the EPL players come back? Will the European players come back? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's going to be... As It'll full be a, strength as, it as it should can get. be as full strength as they can get it, um, and yeah, it should be good. I don't imagine we'll get out of our group in the Confederations Cup, but yeah, we should be okay. But this, sorry, I, I mean this Thursday. Will this Thursday? Oh be, yeah, this is a this is a full tilt, full yep. full tilt soccer. Is Aaron Moy landed two days ago? I think. Okay. Um, yeah. So fifth place, Huddersfield's finest. <laughs> Huddersfield Town. Um, anyway, it's critical. I can't say that enough. Uh, you'll be able to tell by the tone of my voice next week <laughs> how it all went. Andrew, we're at the business end of the inaugural Super Netball season. You'll notice I didn't put the sponsor in there because unless they sponsor us, they don't sponsor anyone. Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Melbourne Vixens lost 
to the mm. Sunshine Coast Lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said that win. Vixens finished first. You said that win, yes. Uh, and Collingwood lost to the Giants Netball. I said that win. Yeah, well, stay away from this week. Um, so it is the Giants playing the Vixens this week for a spot in the grand final against the Sunshine Coast Lightning. That's about the extent of our netball knowledge, Andrew. I think it's time to bring in one of our favourite, if not our favourite guests here on a sporting discussion, our favourite freelancer, Erin Delahunty. Erin Delahunty, welcome to a sporting discussion. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me on again after an exciting, another exciting weekend of netball, the first week of the finals. Wasn't it? it was, like the, the two games, you, well, you actually couldn't have got mm. two closer contests, <laughs> two, two one-point <laughs> victories and games that were genuinely in the balance till the last three seconds in the, the Magpies game with Shani Layton screaming, go, 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 as the clock was ticking down and the ball was trying to make its way back to the middle. Yeah, look, Nepal Australia must have just be rubbing their hands together because you couldn't have scripted two better finals. And exactly as you say, you really didn't know until the last moments of both of those games who was actually going to win it. And even throughout, again, for both of the games, they swang and there was momentum shifts. So at any point during the game, I think either team, maybe the Vixens looked a little bit in trouble in their in their game against the Lightning, I thought, because um, Caitlin Bassett was so dominant. But really, you know, those four, any of those four sides could have won those games, which is what, you know, what you want in final. Well, yeah, because the, the two winners came from behind, both came from behind at three-quarter time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Vixens had a really slender lead um, against the Lightning. I think it was only two goals or something, wasn't it? And yeah, then, yeah, both. the Colling, yeah, and Collingwood was dominant. Well, not dominating, but they were they were two goals up as well. I would say at three quarter time. So, yeah, for both of those teams, I think particularly um, for the Giants to come back from from being six goals down with seven minutes to play. Um, I know the little the little paper. Uh, here in in Victoria, you know, pulled out the old Collie Wobbles line um, in, in the coverage the next day, which might have been a little bit unkind, but six goals up in netball, you know, I, I tend to tell people if you're an AFL fan, it's almost, you know, it's, it's half of that for, you know, for a... Um, in a game of football. So that's, you know, being three goals up halfway through the last quarter, you should be able to put that game away. And they were six goals up. Um, and, yeah, they did. They just fell over. They made mistakes. Uh, they missed goals. They got caught for held balls. And, you know, Chrissy Bryce, uh, the, the young Giants goal shooter, just did what you need to do and just slotted the goals through, as did, as did Joe Harton um, as well, who just you know, had a magnificent um, last quarter and took all the responsibility every time there was a shot to be taken. She, st- she stood up and, and made it for the most part. Now, Erin, at the start of the season, you wrote about how teams of champions don't necessarily uh, come away with all the chocolates. And the Collingwood's, yeah. Collingwood's team was basically the Diamonds Australia. Um, they're mm. going to have to be incredibly disappointed that not to at least make the grand final. So do you want to have uh, 20 seconds or so to tell us all how you told us so? <laughs> well, I think, I think that was actually a line that was, that was fed, you know, was, was going around for a few people. And I know the Vixens were certainly one of those people that were talking about that and saying, we know what everyone thinks about Collingwood, but we also know what we've got on our list. I think the thing with Collingwood is they'll be disappointed with has been the timing and the length that it's taken them. Because I think Ash Brazzle has said in the last couple of days, um, Collingwood's wing defence, that, 
you know, this weekend was probably their best effort, was their, their first full game performance. And that's not good enough. They've had all season and they've had the entire, you know, quite a long preseason as well to bring it together. So the, they did gel. It just took far too long to get there. But I was also right and that's always wonderful. So. <laughs> well, yeah, because they, they lost their, their first, the first three games of the season. They lost both games to Crosstown rivals, the Vixens. So yeah. they were, you know, everyone said at the start of the season, oh, you know, it's going to take them time to gel. It's like, hang on a minute. Mm. Just because it's a new team doesn't mean that these players haven't played <laughs> together and they've played together for Australia. For years, yeah. <laughs> Mm, mm, that's exactly right. And I and I absolutely was one of those people that described them as probably unbeatable if they could put it together. Mm. And that's what they had to do. And from the very start of the season, that goal attack position really caused them that was that was the biggest issue for them. Nearly every other position was locked down. You had Kim Rav running the centre, you've got Caitlin Thwaites at, at goal shooter, you've got Shania Lake and April Branley, who, as you say, are, you know, in the Diamonds lineup at the moment. That goal attack position, I think a lot of us thought Alice Teague Neal, young, very young player who came across from the Vixens, would slot into there really nicely. But that wasn't the case. She didn't start and then they tried Cody Lange. She coming back from an ACL injury. She didn't start. She sadly did another ACL. Um, and then it ended up with Shay Brown playing in goal attack who came across from the from the West Coast fever. And she had a real impact towards the end of the season, but she was really a novelty uh, a novelty factor, I think. She's not standard of a Tegan Phillip. She's not the standard of a, you know, of a Wood at the Lightning or someone somewhere like that. So it just took them too long to find the right combination. And then ultimately the combination wasn't, wasn't good enough in that final, that particularly in that last, um, in that last quarter and that last sort of seven minutes to be, you know, like I say, to be six goals up, you know, you drop one, you get nervous, you miss a shot. But for the Giants to be able to pull back um, the way that they were um, and, the, and the, the defenders for the Giants in particular to get on top, I was really impressed with um, Sam Pullman's game. I thought she was um, fantastic, as good as Blake's was for most of the game. Good goalkeepers wear their players down and it's in the last quarter that they get those little tips and those little intercepts and they get the held balls and things like that and they wear their players down. And I thought, um, yeah, that Sam did that really well. Damn right we do. Well, (laughs) (laughs) let's move on. Let's move on to the two teams that won. uh, Sorry, not the two teams that won. One team that won on the Vixens who went down to the Lightning. Um, Yeah. The Giants and the Vixens split the season one each. And I think, but I think the Vixens... Slightly ahead on some head-to-head goals, but for whatever that's worth. Now, this Saturday yeah. it's at High Sense Arena, which is in Melbourne at mm-hmm. seven o'clock. Uh, mm-hmm. Who do you like? You'll be and there. Why? I'll be there. <laughs> look, look to be perfect. Look, I'm as a, as a Victorian. I think the Vixens have had such a fantastic season for them not to play in the grand final would be a, a real travesty for them because they've played so well and pulled together as a really young team. But watching watching Lightning pull back and the fact they've got Julie Fitzgerald coaching them, I mean, the fact that Julie played um, young Chrissy Bryce in goal shooter and had Susan Pettit, who's played goal attack for, the, for Australia, at wing attack in a final, to be able to make that call and make the right call and, you know, create confusion for Collingwood, I can't, I can't go past. I can't go past the Giants. And they also have nothing to lose. Vixens had a double chance. They had a home final. They had a chance to have a home grand final. And it sounds harsh, but they blew it. They blew that chance. And now all the pressure is is on them. And they are a young team. So they'll be feeling that pressure, I imagine, this week. So, yeah, I'm on the the Giants. 
personally, I want the Vixens to win merely so. Sorry, I'll start that again. I want the Vixens (laughs) to win just so that one of the um, the the old established teams is in the grand final, uh, so that it's not just going to be the narrative will be oh all the new teams are shiny and brilliant and rah rah rah. All the new brilliant and shiny teams Mm. did. Take three of the top four spots, though. Mm. Yeah, they they did, and I, I t- you're not on your own there. I don't think. I think there'll be a lot of netball fans that are hoping the Vixens can can get over the line, and they have a lot of those players, the Liz Watsons and the Emily Mannixes, um, have played a lot of their junior netball together. So there's a really strong bond and really strong relationship within that team, and that's what's got them to where they. That's what's got them to where they are. They've been that champion team as opposed to the the team of champions so it's not to say I don't think they can do it I think it comes down to my Wenda basically when the Vixens did have that win um over the lightning when you know during during the year and when they beat the giant when the Vixens beat the giants it's when she plays really well and when she shoots at 100 percent you know when you're coming up against fantastic defenders in the giants um you can't afford to shoot it, you know, 90% as fantastic as that is in, in a regular game. You've got to be right up there. You can't give them a chance. You can't get them a look at the rebound. So um, as much as, you know, Tegan Phillip has had a fantastic season, again, coming off the back of an ACL, I think for me, Kamwenda versus Pullman is nearly the, uh, you know, is nearly the, the contest that I'd be watching the closely, um, watching the closest this weekend. And Erin, if we jump out of the finals for a sec, we've got the Queensland Firebirds who missed out just by a game and a half and then the Swifts, Fever and Thunderbirds who were all, well, basically nowhere near it. Yeah, the, Firebird, the Firebirds, they've, they've been the team for the last, well, however many years. And mm. w- was it just that they lost too many players or was it the other teams were just genuinely that much better than them? Uh, I mean, if you take Laura Geitz and Claire McManaman out of any netball side, yep, go on. You, you, I mean, you're talking about the two at the time at which they retired, the two pretty much two of the best defenders in the game, really. So that's a huge, um, a huge gap for them to fill. And Kate Shimon has been um, fantastic, and, and the other defenders have stepped up. But they, Romelda Aiken, you know, can sometimes not be the most accurate of shooter. She might only shoot at 80, 85%. They delivered ball after ball after ball into that attack line consistently, that Firebirds team. So that loss of experience in the defence end is huge. And that they all, you know, everyone, you know, forgets, you know, Kim Ravalian just dominated that centre position for the Firebirds as well. And her connection with Romelda Aiken and with their best mate, Gretel Tippett, was that she delivered the ball into the into the ring, um, you know, for the vast majority of the time. So the the loss of those players can't be understated. But I don't think that Rosalie Janke would be devastated with their performance. I think they probably performed above where a lot of um, a lot of um, so called experts would have put them, having lost all of those players. So I think with a couple of players, I'm not sure where they're at with contracts and things. But I think if they can recruit a couple of different players to, you know, borrow some parlance, I think that premiership window might still be open for them in the next couple of seasons. I don't see them as as becoming easy beats of the um, of the competition, whereas someone like the Fever and the Thunderbirds is a long way back for them. It's mm. a really, really long way back. So what were your what were your thoughts on the first Super Netball season, Aaron? Just going on the scores, there was only a few blowouts here, there and everywhere, but results yeah. I guess 
I mean, we've spoken the three new teams have ended in the fall, but what did you make of it all? Yeah, look, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised at, at some of the results that we had. We didn't have – there wasn't a lot of predictable results. Like, even we were just talking about then, you know, Vixen's Giants uh, won a piece. Vixen's Lightning, if, you know, if it ends up being a Vixen's Lightning grand final at the moment, they're one apiece, you know, and then obviously Lightning won the final. Giants, if Giants end up in the final, Giants Lightning is one apiece as well. So that evenness to me has been really pleasing, even though, as you say, the new franchises have really dominated. But that's the reality of the players that those clubs um, were able to attract uh, to them. I, one other thing that I think sort of stood out, I think the timing of some of the games, I think um, they'll look really closely at that. I think having games at 8.45 on a Saturday night is just not a feasible option for a lot of people that mm. want to go to the netball. And, I'm, I, you know, if you've got a daughter who loves her netball and she plays netball on a Saturday morning or a Saturday afternoon, it's a long day to say, hey, let's jump on the tram and go into Highsmith's Arena or let's go to the Sunshine Coast or whatever it might be. So I think that, that um, there were some issues around that timing. And the double headers uh, as well, I think that was uh, – I think for some for some people that was um, a bridge too far. It was too much netball. Not that I think there is such a thing as yeah. too much netball. Um, but some people definitely think that was um, was hard for them. The, the actual level of the netball and the physicality of the game, I think, has gone to another level. But I think the um, – the umpires have done a really good job of keeping a lid on that. I feel as if the game has stepped up without, you know, any sort of ugliness. There was a little bit of ugliness creeping into the game, I think, in the last couple of seasons of the ANZ chance where Kiwi teams were getting frustrated and were um, bringing that physicality into the game as the only way to sort of impact the contest. That's not happening anymore. But the umpires have done a really good job um, keeping on top of it. And I think the... Um, you know, the awareness of the game and the water cooler, uh, the water cooler factor. I don't know if you guys agree, but I feel as if there's a lot more non-netball people, in inverted commas, um, have probably been aware of the game. I mean, seeing, you know, the, there was a double-page spread in the little paper in Melbourne, you know, of Collingwood's loss on the weekend, and that's not something that we would have seen in the ANZ chance for a really long time about the Vixens or any other probably team, you know, in one of the major national newspapers. So I think it has, you know, it has definitely made great strides. And the fact that we've had so many close games and then this final series, um, yeah, bears that out as well. Well, I think um, they're taking this Saturday's final, this Saturday's prelim uh, on the main Channel 9 channel here in Melbourne. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Definitely, the grand final is. I'm not. I. I can't confirm whether uh, this maybe that's the is or not. Final. But yeah, I'm. I know the grand final certainly is. Um, and that's probably one thing I didn't mention. I was personally disappointed to see that that it didn't get pushed onto Channel Nine. I really. There was rumours and mm. there was talk of that that after a couple of rounds, a couple of big games might have gone onto the main channel. But it's because it's been hard to attract audiences to Gem, but it's hard to attract audiences to Gem for anything. Yeah. It's not a it's not a high rating channel. It's not a channel that people find. It's not a channel you stumble across. There's territorial issues in terms of if you're watching through a set top box. Sometimes you can't find Gem. You know, et cetera, et cetera. I would love to have seen it on Gem, and we can only hope that the grand final is an absolute belter. 
extra time, you know, and on the 17th of June, a lot of people are watching it when it's on free-to-air. So hopefully next year that's something they can maybe push for, but I guess that comes down to the numbers um, and advertising. Well, the the grand final has a, a huge amount uh, to live up to. The grand final mm. two years ago, everyone thought couldn't be bettered, and then last year did. <laughs> so mm. now I'm just going to – I don't have the audio here from when we spoke to you prior to the season, but I believe it was something along the lines of you can never ride off a team with Caitlin Bassett uh, in mm-hmm. goals. So, <laughs> lightly, and also, obviously, I, I can only imagine that you would have also espoused the the, the greatness that is Laura Langman. Um, and oh, like, can, we, can we just stop for a second? I think I don't know how we talked about, sorry, that Lightning Vixens game. She, she is the great – she is the great influencing factor of that that team that she just goes about her business. She had a goal assist in that game. She was on the transverse line. She's on the transverse line. Nothing doing. You know what? Emily Maddox, bang in front. She's only a couple of centimetres shorter than Bassett. She just put that ball and said, Bassett, that's your ball. You get it. Done. She's doing sausage rolls, bouncing off people, coming off the ring. She was magnificent. She was absolutely magnificent. Yeah. So her the, the combination of those two. I mean, Bassett, like she missed three goals mm. against the Vixens. Forty-four. She did miss. <laughs> she did miss in the first quarter. She didn't miss in the second quarter. She didn't miss in the last quarter. She shot twelve goals in the last quarter. Twelve from twelve. Wow. Like I, I don't. I don't understand. And, and you know, Mannix had a fantastic game, and you know, did a lot of work. Really moved, confused the space. All the things that a good goalkeeper should do. I don't. I don't think that anyone knows how to beat her internationally. No one knows how to beat her. Casey Kapua can't beat her. You know. So yeah, I, that was a good thing I said at the start of the year. Was it? <laughs> it was. And, and just having a look at the stats and like Bassett's shooting at ninety four point one percent for the entire season, Jeez. which is outrageous. Yeah, that, yeah that, that was that was an average game. That that <laughs> that, that major semi was literally an average game for her. And, I mean, she, she cops a lot of criticism from people and from netball purists, um, you know, because she, she has a sort of reasonably small range. But her game has gone to a different level under Nolene Tarua at the, at the Lightning. I think her body positioning, her strength on the ball, and, her you know, she's a lot more versatile than I think she has been um, in the last couple of seasons. And that's only good news for the diamonds because I don't even know what the next adjective is that we can use um, to describe her. But it's, you know, let's be real, Lightning wouldn't be in the grand final if she wasn't at that club. It was actually it's, it's a... as simple as that. It was actually a slightly below average performance. Oh, Not, <laughs> 93.6%. So 44 from 47 Not was enough. below Not her season enough. average. Get out of town. Yeah, well, hopefully yeah, she can sort, sort yourself out, out Caitlin. <laughs> um, just a, some quick clarification. This week's game is on Gem and the grand final is live yep. on Channel 9. Sorry, just to confirm. Yeah, that. right. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, Erin yep. Delahunter, we might leave it there. Um, we'll come and talk to you again uh, when the grand final is about to go, which will be next week. Um, we'll yes. grab you on. We'll see what we can do. Have a That's chat it. here and there about everything. Thanks again for coming on That's to a sporting it. discussion and talking netball mm. with us. Not at all. I'm always here if you need. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, Thanks, you got
Andrew, before we move on to questions from the listeners, I just wanted to be a bit indulgent if I could. Oh, okay. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that last outro <laughs> that I did with Erin there. Because uh, for me, that's top three of my worst. And I've done some bad ones. I'm going to say it's top two right up there with when you <laughs> said to Craig Norenberg's, see, see you later. later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. They, all go, they all go so well, but I just choke at the end. Yeah, no, that's, that's all right. You're, you're, like sure Greg, you're like Greg Norman in a major golf tournament. That'll, that'll come with practice. That'll come with practice. Anyway. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Questions from the listeners. Oh, yes. Fire away. What did we, we get this we week? We put the question... Well, we put the call out on at ASD underscore podcast on Twitter or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion for people who wanted topics or things discussed. Uh, the first one came from Alex Wilson. Who purely and simply said NBA Finals? Oh, isn't it? You can take the lead on this, Andrew, with your with your in depth knowledge of American basketball slash sports. Well, I went to a wonderful licensed establishment on two Friday or last Friday to watch Game One. Yes, and when I arrived, it, there was still time left, but it was game well and truly <laughs> over about a minute into the last quarter. The Golden State Warriors are. Pretty good at basketball. Yeah, they're the best team in it this year. So this is the by third... A, by a damn mile. This is the third year in a row that these two teams have met yeah, in the, which the finals. I, which I believe, Touchwood, is the first time in NBA history that's the same teams have played off three times. Oh, okay. And they're one and one. Yep. Last year, the Golden State Warriors were... 3-1 up. 3-1 up. 2-0, then 3-1. And went on to lose. Went on to lose. That's not happening this time. Really? Uh, what's what's yeah. the difference? There, there's one big inclusion for Golden State, isn't there? Kevin Durant yeah. plays for Golden State now. Uh, I think he scored 38 points in game two. He's just he's an incredible player. Yeah. He's like, I've had it described to me that he's like a 7'2 point guard. Um, right. Even though I think he's 6'10". But <laughs> however tall he is, he's a point guard-like player. Um, he can handle the ball. He can shoot it from miles outside the three like everyone that seems to happen with to you when you put on a Golden State jersey. Yep. Um, he can defend, but they don't need to. Golden State give up. I think they're, they're giving up over 100 points a game in these playoffs, but it just but doesn't matter care. because they're just blitzing people left, right and centre. And... Last season, it was all about Steph Curry and the you know the three point show that he was putting on. For some reason, that hasn't necessarily, or probably because of last season, that hasn't necessarily been seen as the circus sideshow that it was last year. But he's well, they're all still... doing it. He's doing it. Clay Thompson's doing it. Uh, Durant's doing it. But, um, but AJ... Cleveland, Cleveland are trying to do it, but they can't do it. <laughs> but AJ. It... He's shot the second most three-pointers in a season yeah. this year. He shot three <laughs> behind his record, behind his year. record of last year. Yeah. And it's not even close. He's in he's in third spot and fourth spot and fifth spot over the last oh no, sorry, Ray Allen in 2005-6 shot uh, mm. shot two seasons. But it's just become uh, sorry, has it become just so expected that Steph Curry is going to hit all these three-pointers that people aren't talking about it? Or is it because Durant has come in? Or is it just because they spread the load over the whole whole team and they just monster every team? They monster every team. It doesn't matter. They, they're about to go foe, foe, foe in the finals. They're undefeated in 14 uh, playoff games. And if they sweep this series, they'll be the first team in history to go through a, a complete 
postseason undefeated. First team to go fourteen and zero at mm. the um, at the moment. At the, I believe. Yeah. So they're already yeah. at that. The next game is in point. Cleveland. Let me. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Just based on this. All um, right. There's been seventy seven games now in the twenty seventeen NBA playoffs. Okay. 47 of them have been decided by over 10 points and 21 have been decided by more than 20 points. Okay. Um, which leaves, I think it's nine that have been an end result of under 10 points. Sure. For the winning margin. Okay. Is that good? You would... Ex- if that were happening in the NRL or the AFL here that teams were just getting blown the hell out, mm. we'd be talking about how bad a season it is. Yeah, you'd expect that... Finals time, it's the best teams playing the best teams and it would be close. And I wonder if it's the nature of best of final series that if you, you know, if you're down by seven points with three minutes to go, you just go, oh, well, we'll get them next time rather than hustle. I don't, I don't know. But it, it doesn't sound good just sort of purely on stats. Well, I think it's the... Um the way that NBA teams can be built. Um, you, what do you like mean? Durant going to Golden State. Oh, okay. Wasn't a very popular move, but he just wants to win a championship. I mean, and that's what sets US sports aside from a lot of the sports here in Australia. Um, so he LeBron just... James at Cleveland basically goes to the general manager and says, I want him, 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 and him. Go and get him. And they, they just flash the cash? They flash the cash. Uh, they bring people across. They trade. They trade people out. All those sort of things happen. So... It's a unique situation where this Golden State team is probably one of the best that's been around for a while. I'm not going to say of all time or anything like that because that's just stupid. But Yeah, but mm. Cleveland weren't even the, the top team in the, the Eastern Conference. Boston no, they weren't. But ahead of yeah, them. They, they Toronto were, were equal. They were playing, uh, playing dead, basically. They knew that they were going to make it, make it to here. They just didn't care whether it was one, two or three. So, will Cleveland win a game? No. All right, that's, that's Alex Wilson's question asked and answered. Next. Oh, let, us, oh. W- let us know what you think, Alex. Sorry. Yes. Do you want to read this next one? <laughs> uh, Rob Ailing, who we haven't heard from for a while, so I hope you've been well, Rob. Um, he, he's drawn our attention to an article in the Herald Sun by AFL journalist Sam Edmund, who was writing about superstar midfield duos. And their potential joint nicknames. Well, um, no, the, the, the AFL media's propensity to throw joint nicknames at these people. Well, look, I'm going to take a step back here and just let you come in off the long run. Have at it, Andrew. I just don't understand. Like, Joel Selwood and Patrick Dangerfield, last year they got the moniker Dangerwood because they were a, a two-man show in Geelong's midfield. This article... Dear Lord, this article, it tried its very best to come up with names for... So is it, is it like a satire or sports comedy that you love so much or what is it? No, this is an article. This is a genuine... Is it a serious piece of journalism? Yeah. It, Are it's, you sure? It's actually talking about midfield duos and what the stats show about whether well, Patrick okay. Dangerfield and Joel Selwood really are the best midfield duo. But oh. Well, I imagine they are. Well, apparently, this here we go. The stats show that Mochin and Pendelore aren't far behind. So, Dangerfield and Selwood are one. Are Dangerwood? Oh, Mochin. What's a what the hell's that? That's Dustin Martin and Trent Cochin, and Pendelore, Scott Pendlebury and Adam Trelaw. I think we've now, heard enough. 
can I can we link this in to something? This is that serious sports journalism that you love so much, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, one article that I did see today talked about a a bet that someone had placed a seven leg multi, and they really needed Golden State Warriors to to get up to get them three hundred eighty five thousand dollars. Wow! It was a seven leg multi, and no legs have been decided yet. Oh, yeah. So Golden State will oh. actually won't even be the first leg. So oh. <laughs> there's a there's a horse race oh. on the weekend, which is going to be the first decided. Oh. Like, I, oh, all right. So Look, your face is turning why, a bit pink. Should we move that, on? I was going to say why that is an article is beyond me. Why don't you write Sam an email and let him know what you think, or send um, him a tweet? Be, I'm sure he'll be responsive. Because I I just can't be bothered. But uh, <laughs> I actually I did. Oh, sorry, I did respond to to that article. Oh, oh did you? I, I said please. <laughs> Please stop these conjoined names, please. Oh, well, that'll, the that'll Herald be Sun, well. you showed them. The Herald Sun uh, did respond with, "Oh, oh, Anderson, you're no fun." They, they, they oh, put my, Andrew and Donison. They put them together and made a conjoined name for me. Uh, what other question did we get from the listeners, Andrew? Oh, actually, can I just quickly throw something about stupid and rubbish articles and link that to one of the best stepping out of the age, Rowan Connolly. Oh, yes. So he has taken a voluntary redundancy. He'll still be on SEN. He'll still be on Marn Grook. He'll still be on... So can you just explain for the people around Australia oh, yeah, who sorry. don't watch AFL... Uh, SEN, SEN is a radio station in Melbourne which calls itself Sports Radio, but it's AFL Radio. Man Grook is a footy show that is uh, hosted by, well, originally it was just uh, an Indigenous, all-Indigenous panel, but they've brought in um, a whole range of other people and it's probably the best footy show on TV. And so Rowan has joined that crew this he's year. Had a, he's had an outstanding career, but probably the highlight was when he came on to episode 34 of a sporting discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He spoke to us for a good good hour and a bit. Yeah, I think in his valedictory speech, I've seen the the draft and that takes up three paragraphs. So <laughs> Just like to thank AJ and Andrew. Looking for forward to that one. Showing me how good things are. Speaking of... Let's people, move on. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it's in a, in a similar vein, Krusty... Crusty on Facebook. Crusty on Facebook. Why is AFL broadcast commentary, apart from Jared Waitley, so asinine? That is a very good question. Mm. Normally, when Krusty comes to us, it's, it's he, she seems to be very angry about a lot of things, ah. uh, particularly around umpires and veil of negativity. AFL, AFL broadcast commentary, and we've inadvertently gone gone into an AFL heavy show again, Andrew. Um, but Krusty makes a point because when you compare AFL commentary to other sports commentary around the world or other sports commentary in Australia, he's right. It is asinine. They refer to players by their nicknames. Mm-hmm. They make stuff up. They try to tell stories. They ignore what's going on on the field. They ignore what's going on at the field at in an attempt to... To make matey jokes with each other. Exactly. And what's recently happened is something that could be really good but has turned into something that people uh, are already satirising. It's... Brian Taylor at the end of the Friday night or Saturday night matches going down into the the change rooms. Mm, that very quickly became all about Brian, didn't it? Yeah, it's called mm. Wandering with Brian now. Mm. Um, and people refer to it as it's it's like your drunk uncle at a 21st. <laughs> uh, it, there there but are why? Some, why is it? They wouldn't be doing it unless there was a very strong market for it, Andrew. People people will watch the game, but they want commentary. I'm for some reason, people won't just want to watch 
the screen. They mm. want someone telling them what's happening. Now, some people, as you say, they have to love these pantomime characters that uh, that they portray. I don't know why. Ooh, I just want someone how to... How very elitist. Oh, no, it's just very... That's just what I think. And AFL and NRL are working class sports. Let's not pretend anything different. No doubt. But if you listen to the varying arrays of um, radio commentary that are available, it, you've got your, your, your blokey matey through to your analytical tell it straight. And I've always preferred the, the ABC... You know, as Rex Hunt used to call in the Tobin Brothers. Yeah, well, but that, I've got to say, I did love Rex Hunt, but I don't like Brian Taylor. So, hey, I'm a riddle. Mac, is it riddle? <laughs> right in a yeah. mystery, dressed in a vest or something. I just find it strange that they do trying to listen to Triple M broadcasting AFL is almost unlistenable because you've got absolutely no idea who's got the ball, where it is, and what's going on. I'd be interested to hear from um, people in the northern states because I know that. Triple M in Sydney to rugby league, so whether it's a similar no, their their rugby league coverage is fantastic. Oh, okay, yeah, all right, they're really good. Um, anyway, but we might that's you've given yeah. us a good idea here, Krusty. We're going to um, put that one out to the people next week in one way, shape, or form. AJ, it is time for this segment that has been voted best news segment in a sporting discussion podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> questions without notice. Questions without notice. This week it's going to go well. All right. I'm going to go first. You went first last time. Smash it, mate. Following a Rodney Hogg article suggesting this, is Mitchell Stark the best one-day international bowler of all time? Oh, God. Move on. No, no, wait, that means it's my turn to ask you a question. Hang on, you need to ask, answer the question. Rodney Hogg's a moron. That, that wasn't Andrew. the question, so, so that's a no. Okay. I'm going to have to put that in a no if you need it plainly put. <laughs> All right. Andrew, do you have some sympathy for Western Bulldogs fans? Now, their flag, their premiership last year has been all but written off and their team is going in as an underdog this week against a Swans team that sits 15th on the ladder. Should the Bulldogs be getting more respect? Are their fans right to be a bit angsty? No. Why? Because it's just the nature of the game. You don't, just because you won a premiership the year before doesn't mean that you are always going to be lauded as the greatest team. And from what I have been reading, people are saying the Bulldogs are in exactly the same position as they were last year when they finished seventh and won the premiership from seventh. So no need for panic stations, but they're certainly not the best team in the comp. So, you know, deal with it. Very well. Is there still prestige in representing the British and Irish Lions? Oh, you better believe it. Yeah? That's, uh, that's the high point for a British and Irish uh, rugby union player. Okay. Yeah. Whether, they'll, whether they'll be any good against New Zealand and the current tour is the question, but that's for another time <laughs> without notice because <laughs> no, now you've got notice. I'll move on to this next one. All right. Andrew, the Roland Garros crowd gave it to the defending French Open champ, Garbine Muguruza, during her loss to the French national Christina Melanenev. Yep. Christina. Fair or foul? Fair. Yeah? Yeah, all fine. You're all happy for the crowd to just do what they like? Well, I actually... In the genteel sport of tennis? Yeah, so golf and tennis, I'm, I'm all for relaxing the... Uh, the stuffy nature of the officiating when it comes to crowd noise. Like, certainly, you know, you don't necessarily want people 
influence in the outcome. But hey, let them let them stand up during the game. Let them yell out during the points. Let them have a conversation. Let them cheer. Build the atmosphere. I agree. A bit more atmosphere never hurts. Should the Olympic Games be held at the same venue each time? There's been a lot of talk about the cost and the rising cost of hosting the the Olympics. What you should have asked me was, should the Olympic Games be held at all? To which my answer would be no. That so my answer question. to your question is no. All right. Couldn't give two hoots about the Olympic Games. Fair Andrew, enough. has the performance of the Melbourne Rebels poisoned the well for the Wallabies ahead of their test match in Melbourne? this Sunday afternoon against Fiji. Melbourne Rebels are average, averaging crowds of almost just around 5,000 and they have been abject all year. I would be interested to see what the average crowd to a rugby international in Melbourne would have been in the past because I think that people do go along to those. But, yeah, the performance of the Rebels... Well, it's at it Amy Park and uh, Wallabies have sold out Amy Park the last few times I've played there. Okay. I, yeah, I think that the, the the performance of the Rebels has done absolutely nothing. Actually, no, it's sent rugby backwards in Victoria. People, not only do they... They used to be ambivalent and now they go, oh, it's rubbish, don't care. Mm. Should the 2022 Football World Cup be played in Qatar? Jeez, how long have we got? As long as you want. Which reason would you like for me to say no? So that's a no? Well, today, well not today, this week, uh, it turns out that other Middle Eastern nations are cutting ties with Qatar for uh, harbouring extremists or whatever. I can't Mm. remember exactly what it is, but yeah. FIFA has a lot of questions that they need to answer about how Qatar ended up with the World Cup and I guess that's just going to... Get worse and worse for them. Yeah, they, so they must be. I guess they can console themselves with the billions of dollars they got out of it. True. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a double jointed question. How are the um, air conditioned stadiums going? They've built one. Yeah. It's not, it's not air conditioned though. Oh, okay. We'll touch on that as we approach the 2022 World Cup. Andrew. All right. <laughs> I got another one. Okay. You ready? And I reckon I've got one more. I got. I got. We'll, we'll see. Okay, Andrew. A betting agency ad featuring Ben Johnson has been pulled after Australia's Advertising Standards Bureau found it was contrary to prevailing community standards on health and safety in that it glorified drug cheats. What do you say about that? I thought it was pretty funny. All right. I, I, under, I can completely understand where people are coming from saying that it glorifies drug use. I think that the people who say that it glorifies drug use are probably well aligned with the people who would be anti the gambling ads in, in the first place. But honestly, <laughs> I, I got a bit of a giggle out of it. <laughs> What's your last one? With Rowan Connolly taking a volunteer redundancy, how long until we see Roco.com as a, a paid website where he puts articles up, much like we were talking to one of our previous guests about possibly Caroline Wilson having the ability to to do that sort of thing because they've got the... Um, the ground in the the groundswell of support. Yeah, I think that was Marin, Dr. Sherwood, who spoke about that, or Sam Duncan. I think it was Sam. Um, anyway, uh, well, he can do it, but it's a hell of a lot of work. I was going to say, yeah, will, will, will he, he do it? Because could he be asked? Yeah, he, he can make his money going somewhere else. Because it'll be like someone has to be the. You got to um, pay a nerd to set it all up. You yeah. got to be able to handle all the traffic and all of that stuff. You need servers, all of that. But anyway. But someone, someone needs to be the, what's his name, Bill Simmons of Australian media and... Well, 
they'll it someone won't, will it set won't it be up. him. Um, okay. Uh, all right. I have two questions, but I'll ask you this one. No, go both of them. All right. Here's the first one, and it's about more Bulldogs fans. Okay. Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs fans are threatening to boycott future games after their team was absolutely slaughtered 38 0 by Penrith, and then head coach Des Hasler didn't show up to a promoted meet the coach session after the game. Oops. Andrew, what would it take for you to do that with your team? To boycott. To threaten to boycott, because you know they'll all show up. This is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard from a bunch of morons, but it's your turn. I couldn't think of it. So my team in the AFL, the AFL threatened to basically to merge them out of existence. That didn't, that sort of, that made people galvanise them when they went to the game. But you wouldn't avoid the game, would you? No, like, you know, we were we were completely rubbish well, in 2004. Well, forget that. Yeah, let's talk on-field performance. So 2004, I was one of the 8,000 people that were at Hawthorne versus Port Adelaide at the MCG when we were horrible. But So what know, are you trying to say here? I can't think of a time, a situation where I would threaten to, to boycott going to watch my team play merely because of their on-field performance. Yeah, fair enough. All yeah. right. Well, my last one and then we can get out of here. All right. Should the Herald Sun's chief football writer have been more strongly disciplined than what happened after he tweeted about Collingwood player Alex Fasolo's struggles with depression? Yep, sack him. It was it was completely and utterly insensitive. Now, for those again, for those listeners north of the border, um, Mark Robinson, who's the chief football writer for the Herald Sun, chief AFL writer. Uh, did a tweet, uh, Alex Fasolo, who plays for Collingwood, had announced he was suffering from clinical depression and then Robinson put out a tweet saying, good drugs, diagnosed on Tuesday and training on Thursday, Uh, when Collingwood had already announced that Fasolo would continue training during his treatment. Anyway, sorry, there's your background, off you go. Yeah, sack him. That was... But why? Insensitive. Because you don't like him or because he's done something wrong? Oh, no, I've got to say... I don't necessarily like Mark Robinson, but however, I've never suggested that he should get sacked because of his inane writing and his stupid ramblings where he sounds like a, a drunk person at 3am outside a kebab stand. But this, nah, yeah, it's it was something that if another... Well, I would hope that if a mm. member of the public did it, they would get called out on it. And he got called out on it. And what did he do? He said, oh, sorry. It's like, no, nah, Harold son, you've got to do something. Sack him. Do you know what? Do you know how we spoke before on Krusty's point about uh, there's a market there for the Yobbo has it going, mate? Yep. That's the number one market for AFL and yeah, NFL. Yeah. Uh, he's probably the leader of it all. He probably gets the most clicks. He brings in the most... Uh, Eyeballs, all of that. I got to say, I, I agree with you on the on on that point. But if you read a lot, like the vast vast majority of comments on social media, which is normally where you get people saying, "Oh, nah, lighten up, she'll be right," blah blah. blah pretty much ninety to ninety five percent of the commenters were like, "Mate, come on." Like, that's just not on. Interesting statement in the press by Patrick Dangerfield too, saying that the AFL players were not pleased with Robinson there. So mm. he, might, he might find it hard to 
get an interview for the next little while. Absolutely. Well, on that somber note, let's let's wrap things up. That has been episode 59 of A Sporting Discussion. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you for those who sent in questions, comments. Topics. Topics for us to discover. Yep. To discover, to discuss. (laughs) Remember that if there is anything you'd like us to talk about or if you want to take us to task over anything we discussed in this week's show, get in contact via Twitter at ASD underscore podcast or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. Tell your friends to subscribe to a sporting discussion on whatever podcast service they use. We recommend they listen via Wooshka, either their app or their desktop site. And if if you or they or anyone you know listens via iTunes, make sure you leave us a review that makes sure that we are in the charts when people search for sports podcasts Mm -hmm. aj yes what have you got coming up i'm still working on something very secret and mysterious and it's 68 percent there now 68 percent there it's buffering like it's on dial up it's uh (laughs) it's it's uh, it's a lot more than i thought it would be but it's going to be well worth it when when it's done whatever it is very good doing what about you Triple R, not this Monday because it's a public holiday, so the breakfasters have a, a day off, which Wait, means what? that I get a day off. Is Monday a public holiday? Queen's birthday. Oh, yes. God save her. Thank you, Queenie. Yeah, all right. That'll do. That'll do. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.